Hey, before we get started, just a quick programming note. This is the penultimate episode of season one of I Better Start Writing This Down. The final episode will air on June 8th, and then I'll break for summer. When I was in the planning stages of this podcast, I wrote down a list of rules for myself. One of them was never talk about the future plans of the podcast. I'm doing it now, though, because in the past four months, people have seemed to actually like this thing that I'm doing. Because of that, I feel a sense of responsibility to them, my listeners, to let them know my tentative plans for the future. I've got a big project that I'll likely start off season two with, but that still needs to be, you know, written and recorded and edited and produced. And there will be interviews that need to be conducted. Yes, we're branching out a bit. Oh, and I'll have a new baby to complicate my life? Love. I mean, a new baby to love by the end of the summer. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Okay, start the show. Over here, gentlemen. I, I have a table reserved for us. Afternoon, start. Afternoon, gentlemen. Please not introduce yourselves. Because I recognize you again. These are dangerous times. Make a lot out when I tell the truth. I'm Joe Stracci, and I better start writing this down. Episode 9. I'm going back for your mother. There are three out-of-context facts that I want to give to you at the beginning of this, and as the episode unfolds, you'll understand why each turn out to be important. Fact number one. Before me, my wife, Danielle, and my daughter, Luna, left our house at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning this past February to drive down to the Bronx to visit with our family. I put on sneakers. And Danielle said, Why are you wearing sneakers? It's freezing and there's snow on the ground. I told her that my boots smelled, and that I didn't want to have to wear them all day. This This, is fact number one. Fact number two. Before we left, I said to Danielle, Hey, shouldn't Luna wear gloves? Remember, this was February. A February in which the average high temperature was 18 degrees. And she said, No, we're going right into the car, and then into my mom's house, and then your mom's house. She'll be fine. This This is fact number two. Fact number three. There's a loose gravel road that connects our property to the main road. It's too long to call it a driveway. It's a little over a thousand feet long, about a quarter of a mile. During the winter... We pay a nice French-Canadian man named Jack to plow it. But the winds whipped up this winter, caused the snow plowed off to the sides to eventually creep back onto the road. The bitter cold meant that none of it melted, and the combination of the cold and the wind meant that these drifts were packed solid. When we left, it took a considerable amount of torque to get my four-wheel drive pickup truck through them. As the truck slid and skipped and hesitated, I thought to myself, We're gonna need Jack to come back and plow these. And this is fact number three. 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 Sneakers. Gloves. Drifts. Got it? 
Okay. Oh, hey, what did you guys get up to tonight? Hopefully nothing too crazy. We went down to the Bronx, hung out with our parents. It was one degree outside when we got home. One. The only temperature reading that takes the singular form of the noun. With the wind chill, produced by winds that had prompted a wind advisory, it felt like minus 12 degrees. It was 8 p.m. We'd spent the entire day in the Bronx. The baby needed a diaper change and some pajamas. It was pitch black night. Then we got to our driveway. The high-speed winds made snow drifts approximately two feet deep. Instead of initially calling our plow guy, my darling husband decides to gun it full throttle into the snow drifts to try and drive through them. Of course, we got stuck. Of course, we got stuck. I take pride in my ability to maneuver a car in the snow. I came of driving age getting hand-me-down cars into and out of snowy situations in the Bronx, usually on my mom's street, a street deemed a tertiary road by the city, meaning that it could be a day, even two, before the plow finally made it through. So with a V6 four-wheel drive pickup truck, I didn't doubt myself for a second. Okay, I doubted myself once I got the car stuck. I didn't think it could even get stuck to begin with. But I put us in four low and threw a combination of wheel reversal after wheel reversal, shifting back and forth from drive to reverse, and a floored accelerator that I timed so that the wheels spun before the gears shifted into place. I got us out. I couldn't see behind me, pitch black night, so I slowly backed down the road, knowing that I could just as easily get us stuck again. Then he got us unstuck. Then, instead of cutting our losses, he decided to drive faster. I figured I'd give it one more shot. I figured the first time, I didn't realize how much gas I needed to give it. I figured the first time, I didn't realize I needed to pull further to the left. I figured I'd learn from my mistakes. Then he got us stuck again. When I figured that I'd learn from my mistakes, I was right. It's just that I hadn't made the right mistake yet. Then we got unstuck. Another 20 minutes of transmission shredding, trunk rocking, and tire spinning, all to the quiet whisper of me urging the car on, like a vet in a wetsuit trying to soothe an orca. Luna was terrified and quiet in her car seat. And instead of making some calls to some other plow guys in the area, one of which is down the road from us, Joe insists that we park at the end of the driveway and walk to the house. When I began getting ready to get out of the car, pulling on my gloves, fixing my hat, making sure the lights were off. It was obvious what I was doing, but Danielle still said, What are you doing? And I said, We're going to walk to the house. What do you think? Because the indirect dialogue that I preach about to my creative writing students has slowly begun to overtake my natural speech. I saw no other option. We'd called Jack. 
he wasn't going to be able to come. French Canadian or not, he didn't have backup at night and he couldn't risk getting his truck stuck. It was a possibility too. He knew about the pitch of our road and the drifts. He would later tell me that growing up as a boy in Canada, he and his friends would often build tunnels through snow drifts. Tunnels that were big enough to walk through because of how solid the drifts were. To be fair to him and to me, at first, he thought that we were at home and trying to get out. It was only when we called him back that we clarified that no, we were stuck trying to get in. But it was cold and it was dark and it was late and getting later. We could sit around waiting for him. We could leave and go to a hotel, which seemed even more preposterous. Or we could just walk it. Yep, a quarter of a mile in one degree weather, which felt like minus 12, according to my trusty weather app. I got out and stepped into snow up to my thighs. I backed us into an unplowed spot on the road that would allow Jack's truck to pass through once he eventually could come. My feet, clad in bright green Nike running sneakers, wet through and started to pulse with cold. My smelly boots were in my closet back in the house. At least I'd been comfortable all day. This this fact number one. I'm wearing my swing coat, yoga pants, and L.L. Bean slip-on boots. And our child. At least she had boots on. What Luna did not have on, though, was a pair of gloves. And so Danielle produced a pair of socks from the diaper bag. And she tried getting them over Luna's hands. Except the car door was open, which was letting in sub-zero winds. And so Luna was already shivering and having nothing to do. Confused and tired with the sock gloves. This this fact number two. So in the pitch black, we trudged through the snow. I carried Luna. She weighed about 25 pounds at that point. And Danielle was three months pregnant. Did I mention that part yet? I figured it would be best if she took both of our phones and lit the way. But it was just so cold. No matter how close I held Luna against me, and D.L. was moving too slowly. I knew why. She was scared and didn't want to fall. But I weighed our options and knew that D.L. could afford an extra couple of minutes outside. Luna? Maybe not. Joe left me in the dust while he hustled carrying Luna. We used our iPhone lights as flashlights. Of course, I fell on the way down the hill because it was icy and I was alone in the pitch black at the moment. The snowdrifts were so solid that I was able to walk on top of them without breaking through. And this is fact number three. three. The bounce of Luna against me was so consistent that it was loosening up everything we'd secured around her. Her scarf, her hat, her sock gloves. I don't have any memories of anything before the age of seven, really. And I kept telling myself that as I whispered to Luna that this was fun, an adventure, that it was silly, despite the arguing in the car five minutes earlier to the contrary. 
I could feel her shivering and nodding each time I said, Are you okay? Are you okay? Once I knew that we were down the steepest part of the hill, I picked up my pace because I knew there wasn't much snow on the road, if any. But the quicker pace meant a bumpier ride for the baby. I reached down at one point and realized that her hat had fallen off. I debated stopping and putting my hat on her head, but at this point, I was kind of scared too and cold and didn't want to waste any more time. I held her tighter. The wind was whipping so hard, the swaying, creaking sounds of the branches had me thinking a bear was nearby, and I was sure to get whacked in the head and be left for dead on the road by a falling branch. Once I rounded the final curve, I could see our house. I ran. I held Luna tight, and I ran. I ran towards my home, with my daughter in my arms, and I've never, before or since, had such clarity of thought. I saw only the house. I didn't know if I had any breath left or not, or if my legs were tired. I ran. Luckily, neither of those things happened. When we got into the house, I sat Luna on the couch, put two blankets on top of her, and jammed my pullover hat on her head. I grabbed the chocolate milk and gave it to her and turned the thermostat up to 85 degrees. I said to her, don't move from that couch. And because the situation had turned cinematic, I added, I'm going back for your mother. Joe had gotten Luna safely into the house, bundled up with a chocolate milk as a consolation prize for the whole debacle. She was happy as a clam and a trooper through the whole thing, while I sobbed my way down the road. I didn't get far back up the road before I heard Danielle sobbing. Luckily, we're all safe and warm. Oh, and I ended the whole thing by doing an albuterol treatment with my nebulizer because I was wheezing so bad. Happy Valentine's Day to me. Every Tuesday, I teach a creative writing class at Manhattanville College. My mother-in-law, who is one of my Patreon patrons, hi Patrice, watches Luna for most of the day so I can be on campus to meet with my students and get some work done. The Tuesday after our little walk in the woods, Patrice was watching Luna while I showered and got ready to leave. Once I was done, I walked into Luna's room on autopilot. It's the stay-at-home dad autopilot that I've developed. There are patterns to how the day works, the grooves that have been etched into our existence together. One of those grooves involves keeping the house neat. I pick up as we go so that there's never a huge mess to clean up at the end of the day. Straightened is always entered at least once on each day's to-do list, usually twice. That Tuesday morning, though, 
I forgot that I had already straightened in Luna's room before Patrice even arrived. So when I walked in, ready to keep chugging, ready to keep moving, I realized that I didn't need to. My autopilot came to a halt, confused. I stood there and I looked around and I thought, what do I do now? It was an odd sensation to be confused by my past self and sad that Luna didn't need me right then. Her reliance on me is the fuel that keeps the engine running. I think about it now, how I felt that night on our road and the bitter cold back in February. I think about how important the moment felt, how scary it was, and how I just pushed through because I had to. Because there was a life in my arms that was and is my responsibility. Being a parent is hard, and it's especially hard trying to be a good one. I walk the line every day. I don't want my child, soon to be my children, to become a replacement for my life. I need my own. But there's no doubting that my identity is becoming intertwined with the fact that I am Luna's dad. I don't want to walk into an already cleaned room and have to remember what to do next. But at the same time, I want to always be ready to, without thinking, run her through the woods in the dark, hustle her into a warm house, and jam my hat on her head. I want to always be able to make her smile. I want to make her feel safe. And in February, I learned that I want to teach her that if she's ever on the fence about wearing boots when there's snow on the ground, no matter how much your boots smell, or about bringing a pair of gloves with you even when you think you don't need them, or about calling the plow guy when you literally think to yourself, we're probably going to have to call the plow guy, that she should just go ahead and follow her instincts. Oh, and there's no way we could ever tell either of our mothers about this or they would truly have a heart attack. So thank you for being the only ones we could share this ridiculous story with. For more information about I Better Start Writing This Down, visit ibetterstart.net. If you want to support the show, pledge a dollar or two at patreon.com forward slash I Better Start. I Better Start Writing This Down is sponsored by Audible. If you go to audibletrial.com forward slash I Better Start, you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial and help to support the show all at the same time. Audible has over 150,000 titles to choose from. One title I think IBSWTD listeners would enjoy in particular, The Shining by Stephen King. As a writer, I feel stupid and stereotypical for saying this, but seeing the Stanley Kubrick interpretation of The Shining is not enough. You must read the book, or in this case, listen to it. To download The Shining for free, go to audibletrial.com forward slash I better start. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash I better start to help support the show and in return, receive a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial. 
of course, there's two new mementos for this episode. Memento number one is a box of 40 pairs of Hot Hands hand warmers. Memento number two is an LE LED headlamp, which has 18 white LEDs and two red LEDs, the latter for SOS mode. It has four different brightness levels and includes three AAA batteries. Please learn from my mistakes. Buy these two items and keep them in your car and help support I better start writing this down at the same time. Remember, the Memento URLs will be on ibetterstart.net as well as in this episode's show notes if your podcast app supports that feature. You know, every week I mention a podcast app and for those of you who don't know what that is or don't use one, I really recommend Overcast. That's an iOS app. I better start writing this down as a sinewy social media presence. Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook, we're everywhere. All you need to remember, our username in all of those spaces, I better start. That's it. Hopefully, you wrote it down. So we were just talking before about your one of your favorite topics, which is poop. And, and we were talking about what what kinds of poop Short do you tricks. make? Wait, what kind of what's the first kind of poop that you make? Why are you getting shy? You just rehearsed this like forty times. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm shutting it off because you're not doing we're not recording what we said we were. Rock turds. What other kind of poops do you make? What other kind of poops do you make? Bear. Yeah. Do you want to hold the bear? You got to tell me about your poops first, though. Let's let's do the talk about the three poops that we talked about. What's the first kind of poop? I will give you. I will give you those things. What's the first kind of poop that you make? rock turds and what other kind of poop do you make? Short turds. Firm turds. And what's the other kind of poop that you make? Diarrhea. <coughs> what's the other kind of poop? You gotta say it. It's only funny when you say it. What's the last kind of poop that you make? And then bear. I'll I'll let you play with this bear, but first you gotta tell me what the other kind of poop is. Fully. Can you just can you just say diarrhea? Diarrhea. <laughs> bear. Here, here's the bear. Nobody. Now get the hell out of here. Nobody. Nobody. Oh, you want another one? Okay. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God. Indivisible. Yeah, so you getting further from the mic. With liberty and justice for all. See, so do it again, but now do it like loud. I pledge allegiance to See, the flag. Is in the red like that? We don't want that. Okay, so basically, I want to be like this. Yeah, that's that's good. Okay, 
Not much louder than this. Not like this. Right. Don't be like, oh, you fuck. Well, this will be hard considering what I'm reading. Recording. Just double check. All right. So, all right, you do your thing. Okay. Why are you wearing sneakers? Okay, okay, okay. Like, can you let me shut the door? Oh, I didn't know you were going to shut the door. Okay. Sorry, shit. Thank <laughs> you.